0: Hello, welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers and you can find me at liveto110.com and you can find this video podcast on my YouTube channel Wendy Live to 110. You can also learn all about my healing and detox program at mineralpower.com. Today we have Dr. Tim Jackson on the podcast today. He's going to be talking about chronic fatigue and the underlying causes of fatigue. There are so many people out there today suffering from low energy levels or have chronic fatigue syndrome and we're going to be talking about all of the underlying causes and the remedies and the the system that Dr. Tim Jackson uses to reverse chronic fatigue. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition. It's solely informational in nature and for entertainment purposes only. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment that we suggest today on the show. And if you guys anyone you guys out there are suffering from chronic fatigue, you can go to my website and download my Limitless Energy e-guide. It gives a lot of, uh, you know, a few clues as to the underlying reasons that people today have chronic fatigue and are always tired and always looking to drink coffee all day long or five-hour energy or whatever their drug de jour is. So go to my website live to 110.com. You'll see the little icon for the Limitless Energy e-guide and you can download it for free. Our guest Tim Jackson, DPT, he's a doctorate of physical therapy, received his undergraduate degree in health science and chemistry from Wake Forest University in 2003. He completed his doctorate in physical therapy from the Medical University of Southern Carolina in 2009. And realizing that manual therapy and orthopedic care helped only some of his patients, he began studying functional and environmental medicine as well as digestive health in an effort to help others achieve wellness. Dr. Tim is educated in nutritional biochemistry, functional endocrinology, um, as well as digestive health and its systemic effects. He recently completed the spine portion of the Active Release Technique methodology, a system that addresses musculoskeletal trigger points and helps to expedite the healing process. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Wendy. I look forward to it.
0: Wanting to the listeners a little bit more about yourself and how you got into the health field.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm Dr. Tim Jackson. Um, I finished my doctorate in physical therapy and rehab in 2009 um, and I've been studying functional medicine for about the past 12 to 13 years, um, some under different MDs, some under you know continuing ed courses, but mostly uh, where I learned the best stuff was through self-study. But I started out in undergrad at Wake Forest University in North Carolina and um, I got interested in nutrition and exercise while I was there. And so the medical doctors, the medical school said, you know, you should consider other programs because you're not going to get a lot of nutrition and exercise. Um, and I had a pretty traumatic surgery during the senior year or my senior year of undergrad. And uh, when I came out of that surgery, I basically didn't recover very well. I had candida overgrowth, um, toxic metals, reactions to anesthesia, and just didn't heal properly. So, you know, I kind of bounced around looking for someone, a doctor who could help me. And about two or two and a half years later, I found an integrative ear, nose and throat doctor who diagnosed me with candida, heavy metals, and, you know, that he treated me for those. And that certainly helped, but I, you know, continued to learn and I knew there was more going on underneath the surface. So then I started exploring, you know, functional endocrinology and functional uh, gastroenterology and looking at how those factors, you know, play into health or illness and disease. Um, So when I graduated with my doctorate in physical therapy and rehab, you know, it's kind of the same thing as a chiropractor. You know, you do a lot of manual therapy with your hands, but you realize that, you know, if you can balance the body internally, a lot of these external manifestations start suddenly start to disappear. A common example is, you know, people with frozen shoulder that cannot move their shoulder at all, they typically come to um, a doctor of physical therapy for three times a week for two to three months. But if you check them for subclinical hypothyroidism, they almost always come up positive. And if you correct that imbalance, they'll probably get better within weeks. Mm. And so I realized quickly that I could do more more without my hands than I could with my hands so I've just continued to study functional medicine since then you know I incorporate epigenetics uh, into my practice a lot I do a lot I work with a lot of clients with biotoxin related illness so mold and Lyme and co-infections etc uh, hormonal imbalances and also work with a lot of kids on the autism spectrum mm.
0: Yeah, and so we're going to talk today on the show about chronic fatigue um, because I think yeah. a lack of energy is one of the, the biggest issues that you know people are seeking to correct. They want more energy, but more importantly, there's a lot of people out there that have chronic fatigue that have been exhausted for years, and they go to doctor mm-hmm. after doctor after doctor, and they are not helped. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about what exactly chronic fatigue is? What is the definition of that?
1: yeah, so you can have chronic fatigue and not have chronic fatigue syndrome or chronic fatigue immune deficiency syndrome. You know it, it's defined as um, you know not being rejuvenated by rest or malaise that has lasted longer than six months um, in origin. Um so plenty of people have chronic fatigue when they overdo it at the gym and they're working twelve hour days, things like that. But chronic fatigue syndrome or chronic fatigue immune deficiency syndrome, is a neuroendocrine uh, immune imbalance in the body where you see a lot of uh, hormonal imbalances, particularly low cortisol or extremely high cortisol. Um, you tend to see a lot of brain abnormalities, gray matter changes on MRIs or functional MRIs or SPECT scans. Um, you see a lot of GI gastrointestinal infections. Um, you know whether it's Giardia or another parasite or just an overgrowth of commensal bacteria, you tend to see these poisons, these little molecular poisons getting released into the bloodstream. Uh, One that your readers are probably familiar with, or listeners are, is lipopolysaccharides that are released from gram-negative bacteria that they get into the bloodstream, and they eventually cause a leaky blood brain barrier. So then you get activation of the resident uh, immune system in the brain, which are the microbial cells, and the astrocytes, and when those microglia become activated, you become more sensitized to pain, hence the fibromyalgia musculoskeletal part. Um, but you also develop issues with brain fog, concentration, sleep, uh, all of those issues. Um, there's usually, uh, a pretty heavy component of stealth pathogens, whether it's a group of viruses, Lyme, uh, Bartonella, Babasia, Mycoplasma, you know, they all tend to kind of come together. Um, a lot of times you'll see low immune cell counts, especially natural killer cell counts. So, it, you know, it, it's a multifactorial issue. And, you know, it's not as simple as linear as saying, OK, you have problem A, you're going to take product B and that's going to get you to result C. You know, within the functional medicine model, we have all those circles that are, you know, interacting and every system influences every other system. Um, You know, there can be any sort of stressor that triggers chronic fatigue syndrome. Those stressors can be infectious stressors, uh, emotional stressors, um, you know, overworking, adrenal exhaustion, um, any type of, uh, you know, stressor, whether it's external or internal can trigger, you know, these uh, neuroendocrine immune imbalances that, uh, you know, if the stress persists for long enough, uh, you'll develop, you know, those, you know, relatively permanent changes until you have some sort of therapeutic intervention. Mm-hmm.
0: And what about heavy metals and chemicals? What role do those play in, in chronic fatigue?
1: Yeah, they play a big role, uh, not just heavy metals, but toxic metals. So, for example, aluminum is technically not a heavy metal, but it's a toxic one. Uh, aluminum, mercury, cadmium, lead, you know, they play a huge component because they basically poison our enzyme systems and every biochemical reaction that happens in the body has to take place with an enzyme. So if our enzymes stop working, our tissues and eventually our organ systems stop working, um, one way to kind of prevent that is if you have enough of the good minerals like zinc and magnesium, it occupies the same binding sites on those enzymes. So it makes it, if you're exposed to mercury or aluminum, uh, it's a little harder for it to be as um, detrimental to you. So you can protect yourself to some degree. Um, but the metals play a big role. They can disrupt mitochondrial function. And when we look at uh, in the mitochondria, the batteries of the cells, they're definitely deficient and not working properly in chronic fatigue syndrome. That can be from a number of things. Um, they are very sensitive to oxidative stress. So if you have a lot of free radicals in your body that are kind of unchecked and without enough antioxidants to kind of protect the mitochondria, you'll develop, you know, mitochondrial insufficiencies. Um, and microbes, especially pathogens, can cause what's called a microbial mitochondropathy, where the cytokine storm and these pro-inflammatory molecules that are released from the immune system damage the mitochondria. And, you know, every system in the body from your heart to your liver, to your digestive tract, to your brain relies on ATP. So if you have a mitochondrial abnormality, then it tends to affect every system of the body. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the solution for that is to, you know, work on at the appropriate time, getting rid of the metals but also the environmental chemicals, there's you know numerous ones that um, poison the mitochondria. And uh, mold, you know, I know we're going to talk about that later, but mycotoxins from mold, not only do they get inside the cell, but they get into the mitochondria and they can cause permanent, irreversible DNA damage to the mitochondrial DNA. Wow. So um, you have a number of chemicals and heavy metals that disrupt hormones. Um, They can interfere with insulin sensitivity, occupy thyroid hormone receptors, um, create estrogen dominance, you know, the whole cascade of things. So they definitely play a big role in chronic fatigue syndrome.
0: You know, I find in my client population that I'm finding – Everyone has aluminum toxicity. Every single client that I test via hair mineral analysis or urine metals push testing have aluminum. They have arsenic, most of them. And many of them have tin and they also have thallium. Thallium is found in smog. It's added to gasoline to prevent knocking in cars. You're going to find that in polluted cities. And these particular metals poison enzymes that take nutrients into the mitochondria so you can't make ATP. And these are actually fairly easily detoxed with BioSil with silica. Those grab onto Mm -hmm. that and chelate those. Um, But so, what are your favorite methods of detox? Because we know that one of the main underlying causes of chronic fatigue is these toxic metal and chemical poisoning. Because everyone, without exception, has some degree of chemicals and toxins, and some people are more sensitive to to other than others to these toxins. So, what are your favorite methods of detox to rid the body of these metals and chemicals?
1: Well, I usually start uh, with gut health because most people don't realize this, but in a normal, healthy digestive tract, most of the metals should come out through the stool versus through the kidneys. Uh, That's phase three transport, you know, phase three detox transport out of the body. When there's malabsorption or inflammation in the gut and in the colon, it shifts the stress of detoxing metals from the um, GI tract to the kidneys. That's one reason why people have altered BUN creatinine ratios. So just by correcting uh, dysbiosis, healing the gut mucosa, and facilitating that phase three transport, that automatically helps you, you know, have more frequent bowel movements, healthier bowel movements, and you're gonna excrete more metals through the bowels. If that phase three is turned off or interfered with, it in turn turns around and turns off phase two and phase one detox in the liver. So then you just have a huge backup of all the toxins that are produced uh, externally and internally. And so by correcting you know the gut abnormalities, you automatically take some of that stress off the liver because you have that portal vein circulation that goes directly from the gut to the liver. So if you have, say, too many gram-negative bacteria, they're gonna overload phase one detox in the liver by producing lipopolysaccharides. So the gut, Optimizing that is um, step number one. Then uh, replenishing good minerals, like you mentioned, silica for you know aluminum detox, um, magnesium, zinc. Um, you know the, those are some of my um, you know most efficient methods for detoxing um, my patients' bodies um, from various things. Um, and then I also use some German biological medicine techniques, uh, different drainage remedies. Uh, that work on the extracellular matrix. A lot of people don't understand the extracellular matrix and how, when it gets congested, nutrients don't get into the cell and toxins don't get out of the cell. So, some drainage remedies, which tend to be gentler, you know, on the body than a hardcore detox, because you know, if you've never detoxed before and you just go in and start taking all these chelating agents, you know, you're going to find yourself in a mess. You're going to move the metals around a lot. You're going to stir up various microbes and uh, can really sort of knock you backwards for a while. So I never um, even test people for um, a provocation heavy metal test until, like, we've worked on a lot of stuff mm. because I don't want them to have a setback, you know, with the metals. And I know they're going to have them. It's just a matter of, of how much. So um, I also use, um, you know, dry skin brushing, sauna. Um, there's a machine called a chi machine, um, that kind of vibrates your body, that helps move the lymphatic fluid. Uh, if your lymphatic system's congested, you know, it's going to be hard for your immune cells to get where they need to go. Um, so there's, you know, manual lymphatic drainage, rebounding. Um, all those different methods help. You know, any sort of resistance training exercise helps to push the lymphatic fluid, move it throughout the body. Um, and, and I think the lymphatic system and the extracellular matrix are probably to the most ignored, um, areas of detox.
0: Mm. Yeah. And so you mentioned saunas, you mean infrared saunas?
1: Yeah. Far infrared saunas. Uh huh. Okay.
0: Yeah. And can you talk a little about those and how they assist detox?
1: Yeah. So far infrared saunas, you know, it's sending a wave that, you know, is not visible to the human eye deeper into the tissues. And so you're mobilizing toxins that get stored a lot of times in fat tissue. So your body, you know, stores these um, lipid-soluble toxins in the fat tissue to protect your internal organs from damage. So you, when you heat up the body, the enzymes, all of your enzymes start to work better. You start to process these um, metabolites um, and these toxins better. Some um, will come through the skin.
0: So why are so many today suffering from chronic fatigue?
1: Well, the average newborn that comes into the world, um, based on a study that looked at, I think, eight or nine U.S. cities, on the average umbilical cord has between 200 and 250 known carcinogens. So we're coming into the world toxic. You know, in utero, we're getting a lot of toxins dumped into babies. So they're kind of starting out, you know, toxic in the world. Then, you know, you throw in a little bit of antibiotics here and there, just one or two rounds. You disrupt the, the gut flora. That's going to affect phase two detox, phase one detox, and phase three. Um, if you're not born um, vaginally, you know, and you don't get that initial burst of good bacteria. Um, you know, you need to make sure that you're supplementing your baby with um, probiotics. Um, so that can, you know, interfere with the microbiome as well. But like I said, you can make up for it with supplementation and dietary stuff. Um and you know, all those things um, you know, factor into a child kind of starting out toxic in the world. And then you, know, you look at the problem of things like infections. Um, they can be passed unknowingly from mother to baby in utero, and the blood-brain barrier doesn't really form until about age four or five. So uh, a virus, a neurotropic virus that likes to get in the brain and, and cause all sorts of dysfunction, um, has a far greater, more serious impact on children on children than it does on adults because we don't, they don't have that protection yet. Um, so those uh, pathogens that certainly play a role, and there's actually um, a couple studies that show that if the mother has too many gram-negative bacteria in her on uh, GI tract, it's going to produce too many lipopolysaccharides, those inflammatory compounds. And that, what that does is that depletes the baby's glutathione in the brain. And so that is a major risk factor for autism mm-hmm. and uh, or autism spectrum disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, when you couple that with, you know, the conventional or standard American diet, I mean, the number of chemicals uh, listed, you know, that we can't pronounce— I mean, our liver literally, you know, is trying to deal with everything we're eating, and half of it, you know, it, it can't even recognize. So, you know, pretty much everyone, I think, can benefit from some form of liver support. You know, just from the external environmental toxins you're exposed to. Um, you know, even if you're eating organic, you know, you're going to get some contamination here and there. Um, so, I think all those factors are contributing. Um, I think Americans, you know, overwork or tending to overwork, that definitely plays a role. And, you know, having a facilitated hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal axis that kind of constantly stays on, you're stuck or locked in that sympathetic dominant state, and you can't switch back to the parasympathetic state for the healing and regeneration that you need. And so... Um, you know, it's hard for the body to switch into that anabolic or tissue building state.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you that, uh, you know, our children are being born very vulnerable today because we're being born with so many toxins. And I'm finding younger and younger clients that are teenagers or in their 20s that have been exhausted for years and can't fully participate in their life. And part of that is because a lot of children today are being born like what's called burnout babies where they're being born with adrenal fatigue and born with uh, just completely loaded with chemicals and their bodies just and their brains can't form correctly.
1: Right. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, they're coming into the world, you know, loaded with toxins and, you know, the, those chemicals interfere with development in ways we still don't know. And, you know, the way our system works is basically, oh, we'll release a, a new synthetic chemical and then we'll wait and see if it damages anything and then we'll you know retract it if it does instead of doing the proper you know safety testing on things.
0: Yeah, and there's that plays a role. Yeah, there's 80,000 plus chemicals in the environment, some estimates are upwards of 100,000 and there's z- almost zero testing on human safety for these chemicals. Right. And there's thousands right. more coming out every year.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, it's extremely important to keep, you know, the gut, the liver supported. Um, far infrared sauna can help, um, you know, certain toxins you can sweat out. Um, but even if you don't sweat the toxins out by raising your body temperature, you also improve your immune function. And so if you're fighting infections, pathogens, hate, heat, the more you can heat up your body, the more efficient your immune cells become, not just in number, but in their activity level as well. So, um, that can be pretty helpful.
0: Yeah, and that's why I'm a huge advocate of infrared sauna use. There's so many, many benefits. And that's also why I developed my liver rehab supplement because I think people today, our livers are really suffering. And because they're so overloaded and overburdened, they need assistance, uh, extra amino acid help, maybe some herbal help to be able to function better. Um, but let's talk about stealth infections. Um, you talked yeah. a little bit about those earlier. What are they and what is their role in chronic fatigue?
1: Excuse me. Well, stealth infections basically just means that they have evolved methods to evade the immune response or to alter the immune response in some way. Um, Certain viruses like Epstein-Barr virus is a common cause of Hashimoto's because it tricks the body into attacking the thyroid. Um, Lyme bacteria, when it comes on board, it turns off the humoral or B-cell immunity. So um, it's stealth because... It comes on board, it turns off the immune system, and then it allows itself to propagate. It also has evolved methods to change the proteins on the outer surface of its um, coating so that they can disguise themselves from immune cells. So if an immune cell is passing a Lyme bacteria, they may not even recognize it as something detrimental. Um, So that's why they're stealth. Um, That and they can hide in various tissues. Um, You know, certain viruses I mentioned earlier – like human herpes virus six, um, cytomegalia virus, Coxsackie B virus, um, mycoplasma, which is a, a cell wall deficient bacteria. All of those are, are very common to see. You rarely see just one. You'll tend to see you know, at least two or three together that are elevated. Part of the problem is recognition. Um, even a lot of functional doctors think that you have to have an elevated IgM titer To that specific pathogen for it to be a current infection, but that's not true. If the IgG level is high enough, um, it can indicate a current infection. So, you know, getting on antivirals or antifungals or antibiotics, you know, nutraceutical, whatever, um, can certainly help that process along.
0: And so let's talk a little bit more about Lyme because I find, I automatically think that anyone, any client coming to me, they've been exhausted for years or even decades. Automatically, I think Lyme and Lyme's co-infections like Bartonella and other things, some of the ones that you mentioned already. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, Lyme and how it causes chronic fatigue?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, it does it through a few different methods, Um Typically, you know you're going to have heavy metals along with it, and also biofilm, which you know the pathogens create to hide from the immune system. Um, but it creates a ton of oxidative stress, and that oxidative stress interferes with mitochondrial functioning. So you get decreased ATP output. Typically along with the infections, you'll have heavy metals, like you mentioned mercury and things like that, that also slow down mitochondrial function. Um, And then if you throw in some gut issues, um, that's going to lead to liver detox issues. Um, It leads to hormonal imbalances, cytokines, those pro-inflammatory cytokines that are released from the immune cells. um, They can damage your hormone receptors and damage or alter hormone levels. So you get a lot of downstream effects where... You know, initially, you may have high cortisol and low DHEA, and then that's gonna suppress your secretory IgA in the gut, so your gut mucosal immunity is shut down. So then you start getting more gut infections. It also lowers a hormone called alpha-MSH, or alpha-melanocyte-stimulating hormone. And that hormone, it controls some downstream sex hormones, but it also controls sleep and your natural endogenous opioids. So if that hormone is low, It'll affect your sleep quality, um, your downstream hormone levels, which play a role in energy, and it'll affect your ability to control inflammation. And if you're inflamed, you're going to be tired. Mm -hmm. So that inflammation, you know, turns into oxidative stress, which, you know, further can damage the mitochondria, but can also damage the cell membranes. And if you have dysfunctional cell membranes, the cells don't communicate and then the tissues don't work and then the organs don't work. So it disrupts a lot of different pathways in the body, um, you know, from the mitochondria to hormonal pathways. And, you know, it turns on the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis and kind of keeps it on because your body doesn't have a way to differentiate between, you know, getting stuck in traffic type stressor and an infectious stressor. It's all the same. It's all the same stressor. And so um, your body's constantly fighting something. So your adrenals, you know, someone may have, you know, adrenal fatigue, but what factors are activating the adrenals? So that's where you get into looking at the co-infections, the Lyme, viruses, mold, all of those things and try to, you know, gradually address each one so that the adrenals aren't constantly, you know, activated.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very important point because you know a lot of people blame themselves; it's their lifestyle, or they try to get plenty of sleep, and they try to take vitamin C and ashwagandha and do all these things to try to heal their adrenals. But they got adrenal fatigue not just because of their lifestyle or their guzzling caffeine, but it's also because people have a lot of a lot of people have chronic infections and they have heavy yeah. metal and chemical toxicities, or adrenal trying to rub try to at their metabolism to try to push those that stuff out, and all these other things you talk about gut infections these all rev up that sympathetic nervous system and promote adrenal fatigue and then crashes and then chronic fatigue it's this domino effect
1: right exactly exactly right
0: and so let's talk about methylation um you know Mm -hmm. you do a lot of epigenetic stuff in your practice what uh can you define methylation just for any of the newbies that aren't aware of that and what role that plays in chronic fatigue
1: sure So methylation is actually not just one reaction. It's over a 100 different biochemical reactions. Um, takes place in every cell in the body. Um, And it's the donation of a methyl group, which is simply a carbon atom attached to three hydrogen atoms. And, you know, carbon is an extremely important molecule for all of our biochemical reactions. So these methyl groups, things that can get methylated are neurotransmitters, hormones, cells, uh, cell membranes... Um, but methylation overall is important because, A, that's partly how you produce glutathione, which is important for detoxification, to protect the mitochondria from oxidative stress, and um, to fight off viruses. Um, glutathione is a natural antiviral. Methylation also impacts your brain chemicals or neurotransmitters. So serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine can all be impacted Um, you know, if you're not methylating properly. So that can affect, have domino effects um, from the neurotransmitters to the hormones to gut um, motility and things of that nature. Um, And and so all of those, I think, you know, can contribute um, in making someone feel, you know, like something's wrong or something's a little off. But uh, methylation also plays a role in myelination. So the fatty coating that goes around our nerves um, is made through the methylation cycle. Um, and methylation is also partly how we make carnitine and CoQ10, those substrates that the batteries or the mitochondria use for energy. So, you know, a lot of people take CoQ10 and carnitine, that's fine. But if you optimize methylation, you'll naturally produce more on your own as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And, how and do so, you-
1: methylation... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, Methylation, you know, a lot of people will email and say, well, I have this disorder. Is methylation playing a role? And the answer is almost always yes, but it may be direct or it may be indirect. Mm
0: -hmm. And so how do you go about uh, correcting people's methylation? I know it's probably not a simple question. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, part of it is just starting out controlling inflammation and calming down oxidative stress. Um, because uh, oxidative stress turns off a lot of the good genes and turns on a lot of the bad genes. And so, you know, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to take methylfolate and B12 and, you know, I'm done with it. So, um, you know, I generally start people working on the adrenals in the gut kind of at the same time. And then I gradually start layering in the minerals like magnesium and zinc since they're needed as cofactors. And then what I'll do is I'll layer in um, the other B vitamins, you know, thiamine, riboflavin, niacinamide. And then the last thing that I add in is uh, b 12 and methylfolate. If you take B12 and methylfolate and you have a lot of oxidative stress, it creates peroxynitrite, which is damaging to cells. So that's why a lot of people will take B12 and folate to begin with and they feel bad. And so, uh, you know, it's important to kind of do things at the right time and the right sequence. Mm -hmm.
0: And so let's talk a little bit about the prevalence of mold toxicity. And let's just go into more detail about that and how that promotes fatigue.
1: Yeah. So mold, there's, you know, over several hundred species of mold. You know, a lot of people think the only harmful one is, is the black mold, the stachybotrys. But that's not true. Um, and another, another myth is that, you know, it's only older homes that have mold. Actually, what happens is the newer homes are sometimes more likely than the older homes to have it because they build them to be so energy efficient. There's not a good exchange between indoor and outdoor air. And that leads to less competition for the um, mold and mycotoxins that are inside your house. And so when you add that to, you know, if you've had a flood or leak, or you live in a high humidity area, um, you know, all of those things contribute. So mold toxicity, you know, is a very common problem and you don't have to see it. You don't have to smell it for it to be there. Um, there are, you know, two tests that I recommend that you, people can order on their own. One is called a Hurts Me Two test, um, and another one is called an ERMI test. And you can take them and send them into the lab and they kind of analyze the, the dust and particles from your house. Um, and then, you know, if you find it, the results need to be interpreted in context because 25% of the population has um, a human leukocyte antigen genotype where their immune system doesn't recognize mold or lime toxins, and so they can't detox them. So, you know, if you have 100 people in the room, 75 may not be affected by that level of mold. But if you have one of those genotypes, your normal or your optimal may need to be a lot lower than someone without it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can, this is completely separate from a mold allergy. So we're talking about toxicity here where these lipophilic fat soluble toxins are building up in the brain and in the gallbladder and liver. And um, your immune system doesn't recognize them. So there's no antibody binding to them. So in order to get them out, you have to use binders, certain IV methods that you can use, um, and saunas can sometimes help. But um, you have to obviously get rid of the exposure, keep the humidity in your house, you know, 50% or less. You know, make sure you have some, if you live in a high humidity area, at least two dehumidifiers underneath your house, um, you know, that you get the ductwork clean. Um, you know, you can use special filters in the vents to prevent mold spores from coming in. And then there's, you know, different high-end uh, air filters out there, HEPA filters that you can use inside in case some mold does get in then it can filter it. So uh, mold, uh, you know, how you ask kind of how does it contribute to chronic fatigue? One way is that uh, it disrupts all your hormones. So it throws off your sex hormones, cortisol, pregnenolone, aldosterone, um, ADH, all of those, um, they also, the mycotoxins, they get inside your cells and they disrupt the redox status. So the um, oxidation and reduction, the electrons um, being added and taken away, um, get that system is interfered with by mycotoxins. And specifically, the mitochondria are damaged. And if you are impairing the mitochondria, then you slow down ATP production and that slows down how well the tissues are able to detox. So most people, they don't realize that, you know, in order to detox, it actually takes a lot of energy, just like digesting your food takes a lot of energy. And so you may have to actually build up your energy in order to properly detox. Um, Other ways that mold contributes to um, fatigue is that uh, it lowers that hormone I mentioned earlier, alpha-melanocyte-stimulating hormone. Um, And that hormone is sort of your natural endogenous opioid. Um, So you're going to have more pain um, because you have lower levels of that hormone. Your sleep won't be as good um, if you can sleep at all. Um, uh, It's going to affect downstream sex hormones, like I mentioned um, and a lot of other things, and you know, typically removing the exposure, the contaminants will help the alpha MSH go back up. Sometimes it won't. Um, unfortunately, in the U.S., they've outlawed alpha MSH as a prescription um, because it was too helpful. Um, but you know, it, it's an important hormone. A lot of people haven't heard of. Um, and then the inflammation, these oxi- um, pro-inflammatory um, cytokines that the immune system releases. Damages hormone receptors, especially insulin receptors. So you can have someone that's insulin resistant that's not eating a lot of sugar or carbs, and it's working out and going to bed on time and all those things. Um, but you know, if there's a lot of inflammation and oxidative stress in the body, that can create insulin resistance, and then insulin is pro-inflammatory. It shuts down a lot of your liver detox pathways, so it's just a vicious cycle that keeps going and going.
0: Yeah. And so, what can someone do? So, you mentioned the the steps that you take uh, when you are working with clients with chronic fatigue. Um, you said the the gut is the first step. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit more about how you go about addressing chronic fatigue? Because I know there are so many people. I have some clients that have been to twenty doctors um, by the mm-hmm. time that they they get to me or someone like you, and the doctors really don't have a lot of answers except giving people hormone replacement therapy, or here's some thyroid hormones, or, you know, they just give them some medications that ultimately do not address the underlying cause of the problem. Um, So what's the step-by-step that you take?
1: Well, I kind of address the gut and adrenals at the same time, or I may even address the adrenals first, because if they've had, you know, ongoing HPA, adrenal activation, they're, it's going to, you're going to have a hard time healing their gut um, with an imbalanced HPA. So I'll do an adrenal stress index, optimize cortisol and DHEA levels, make sure, you know, cortisol is highest in the morning, lowest in the evening. Make sure DHEA is towards the optimal end um, because that's such an important hormone for healing. And then as far as stool testing goes, you know, there's the uh, CDSA, the Comprehensive Digestive Stool Analysis. problem with that test is that it tries to culture um, microbes in the lab that are anaerobic so when they're exposed to oxygen in the ambient air they die off and then you can get a false negative report so the more accurate method is the PCR DNA probe method where they look for the DNA of the different microbes and protozoa and bacteria and yeast Um, it doesn't matter if they're alive or dead it's gonna pick them up and so that I mean none of the tests are perfect but PCR in general is gonna be more accurate Um, And also considering things in context because uh, if you have someone who's immunocompromised enough, they may have normal levels of certain bacteria that their immune system is reacting to. Um, So, you know, it's an inflammatory dysbiosis that often leads to reactive arthritis. um, But balancing out the the good to bad bacteria is extremely important and correcting the digestive sequencing. So, a lot of people, you know, they'll just take probiotics or digestive enzymes, but, you know, the cascade starts in the stomach with the production of uh, stomach acid, and that triggers the production of bile, which triggers the production of pancreatic enzymes. So, if you just kind of skip those steps and jump into taking enzymes, you know, you, you may be better off starting at the top and, you know, optimizing your stomach acid, which can be low if you're low in zinc, if you're in a sympathetic dominant state. If the thyroid is low, iodine's low, selenium's low, those can all lower your stomach acid production.
0: Yeah, and mercury. Um, mercury is a proton pump inhibitor, so that if you have mercury yeah. toxicity, that will lower stomach acid as well.
1: Right, exactly. So mercury interferes with it, and you know I'm sure there's plenty of others. But um, you know, in general, I, I try to work on healing the gut mucosa because typically it's inflamed first. I use a variety of nutrients and herbs to. Kind of help heal that. Then I'll layer in supplementation with betaine, HCL, with pepsin, so that I'm not just kind of throwing gasoline on the fire here. And what we also start addressing around that time the infections and the biofilm as well. So I'll use a biofilm disruptor along with certain you know antimicrobials or homeopathics to um, you know address the different infections. But I also make it a point to reboot their secretory IGA system. Because, you know, even if you put the good bacteria there and get rid of the bad bacteria, if that secretory IgA is low, um, it's a good chance the infections will return. So, you you know, optimizing the adrenals can help with the secretory IgA. Things like meditation, listening to classical music, those can help as well. Anything that kind of puts you in that parasympathetic state will be of uh, great help in terms of uh, healing the gut. So, I, a lot of times I'll work on the gut and the adrenals at the same time um, because if people have been, you know, trying to heal their gut for a while and it hasn't been working, it tells me, you know, there are other factors influencing it. Um, and that kind of goes back to the mold a little bit too in the lime. that alpha MSH hormone. Um, it's important for digestive health and healing the gut mucosa. So, when it's low, it can have negative consequences in the gastrointestinal system. Mm-hmm. So, um Those are typically the two systems I work on to begin with. Then uh, once someone's more stabilized, I move on to drainage remedies and we start attacking, you know, the various infections that they have and trying to rebalance the immune system. Um, Sometime in the short term, I'll, um, you know, give them supplements to boost testosterone or estrogen or progesterone um, just because they need it. But, you know, also when we're working towards the goal of having their body produce it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so how long do you find that it takes someone to recover from chronic fatigue? Or, or can people completely recover from it?
1: Yeah, they can. Um, it just depends on the person and what all they have going on, how you know, compliant they are, how well their body tolerates the supplements. Because you know, if you start a gentle drainage uh, remedy and someone's reacting to that, then you certainly can't do um, heavy-duty things like chelation and, and stuff like that. So some people are, are at the point that they're so reactive, you have to kind of calm them down and stabilize their system before you can even begin working on things. But I mean, a lot of people will see you know, very positive changes within you know, six to eight weeks just by working on the adrenals and gut health. Um, and you know, if you heal the gut lining, you're gonna heal the blood-brain barrier. They'll notice you know, some improvement in brain fog. Um, if we can properly address the infections in the gut and any systemic infections, that's going to also turn down those um, hyperexcited uh, neurons that are overfiring in their, in the brain, um, the microglial cells, and that, that's kind of how low dose naltrexone works. Is it turns off the microglial cells, and uh, that's why people will say, oh, they'll take it and they'll say, I feel smarter. Or, uh, you know, I can concentrate better because they don't have that constant inflammatory reaction going on in the brain. Mm -hmm.
0: And less pain as well.
1: Yeah, less pain, right? So you get less central sensitization of those neural um, pain pathways. Um, But, yeah, so, you know, we work on all those different methods, you know, and it's all about layering, peeling away the layers of an onion, you know. So a lot of times people will develop new symptoms but I tell them that may not mean they're getting worse. It may just mean that we've finished working on layer one and now we're on layer two or layer three.
0: Yeah, and that's very important for people to remember is when they're healing their body, many people do feel worse before they get better. And this is a concept I think a lot of people um, don't realize because they want to go to their doctor and get a pill to feel better. They want sim- relief of their symptoms. But sometimes when you're healing your body naturally and you're actually getting to the root cause of the problem, the very issue that is causing your problem, like if you're having to your immune system is having to heal a gut back a, a gut infection, or you're detoxing mercury, which is the cause of your symptoms, when these things are being flared up and addressed in the body, they can intensify the very symptoms which you're trying to get rid of. So you have to remember right. that when you're in this healing process that many times you do feel fatigue and you do uh have a flare-up of symptoms and that's okay that's not something to be scared of or to go that's not time to go to a new practitioner who's going to make you feel better right. you you have to kind of you know feel worse before you feel better
1: uh, right yeah it's a good point very often. absolutely
0: and so uh, so you're going to give our listeners a special offer uh to work with you can you talk a little about that
1: yeah, so um, my initial consultation is an hour to an hour and 10 minutes, and it's usually 350. but if your listeners uh, contact me and use the code TWJ81, um, they'll get 50 dollars off the initial consult, so 300 instead of 350. Um, I also have a year-long program where people work with me, um, includes five consults. It's called the Heal Your Body Program, and they can apply that 50 dollars to that program as well.
0: Is there anything else that you want to add about about chronic fatigue?
1: No, I think we covered it. I mean, you know, there's so many aspects to it. You know, and you can have 100 people sitting in a line with chronic fatigue syndrome, and they, you know, this person's primary issue may be metals, whereas this person's may be gut related, whereas the next person may be hormonal related. And so, you know, I think it's important to to look at all the systems, but there are the percent contribution that they make to that person's symptoms. Is going to be different from person to person.
0: And I think it's also very important to remind listeners out there that if you are tired and you find that you're tired every day when you wake up, that is a warning signal. For you not to drink coffee all day long, uh, but that is the beginning of, of the end, so to speak. I don't want to be so dramatic about it, but that's kind of the, the beginning. It's a warning sign that you something is amiss in your body, and it's probably a good idea to determine what that is before you spend years drinking coffee and developing a chronic illness down the line, and you have permanent damage, which at some point may not be able to be reversed or improved.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, I agree 100% with you.
0: I have a question I like to ask all of my guests. What do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today?
1: I think probably immune system imbalances because if you look at um, so many disorders, they either are um, directly affected by or indirectly affected by immune imbalances. So if you have stealth infections that come on board, that leads to pregnenolone steel and sometimes progesterone steel in women. So it alters your hormonal pathways. It causes insulin resistance. It causes a leaky blood-brain barrier. Um, it can cause leaky guts. Um, You know, it's going to interfere. The more inflammation you have, the more it's going to interfere with your detoxification pathways. So, you know, if you put me on an island and said you can only work on one system in the body, I would say make it the immune system because... It's going to negatively affect hormones, gut health, brain health, heart health. Um, There's a virus, for example, Coxsackie B type four, that if you have it, it increases your risk of heart disease by about 33 percent. But how many cardiologists test for viral infections? Almost Mm none. So uh, I would say, you know, definitely try to keep your immune system optimal is a major factor.
0: Yeah, and one of the, I just did a really interesting podcast with a, a sleep physician, and he said that if you are not getting adequate sleep, your body steals energy from your immune system to compensate if you're trying to push yourself, and you, you have to get that energy from somewhere. So one of the best ways right. to just take care of your immune system is just sleep. It's one of the, the easiest things right. that you can do. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That was so informative, and I've heard you on the Bulletproof podcast and other podcasts, and I always uh, get so much out of your out of your your work and your your podcasts that you've done. And uh, I really wanted to have you on the show because you're fantastic guest, very very knowledgeable.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it.
0: And so, wanting to helpful, yeah. So, wanting to the listeners where they can find you.
1: Yeah, so www.healyourbody.org uh, is my website. Um, my professional Facebook page is Dr. Tim Jackson. Um, my email is drtim072981 at gmail.com. Dr. Tim, all lowercase, 072981 at gmail.com. They can email me that way, and um, I'll be happy to respond.
0: And what part of the country are you located in?
1: In South Carolina. Okay, nice, nice.
0: And so clients can work remotely with you, correct?
1: Yeah. Virtual, so I have clients all over the country, all over the world. Mm -hmm. So I work with people from all over.
0: Yeah, well, fantastic. Well, listeners, if you guys are suffering from any chronic illness or chronic fatigue, uh, definitely look up Dr. Tim Jackson. He's fantastic. Thank you. And listeners, if you want to learn more about me, you can go to live2110.com. to 110.com And you can learn all about my healing and detox program at mineralpower.com. I have a new website going up soon for that. And thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.